Welcome to Fairfield, What Are You Reading? A next great read podcast from Fairfield Public Library in Fairfield, Connecticut. I'm Philip Barr, your host and head of adult services. Each month we gather a group of library staff together for a conversation about books, authors, and of course, reading. What we're reading, what we've just finished, what we're excited about coming soon. Most of the books will be new, some may be older, The group will focus on books we love, and hopefully you will too. Imagine you come to the library, ask a librarian for a next great read, a couple more staff stop by, and soon everyone is trading their favorite new reads. Listen in now as we begin. Hello, I'd like to welcome everyone to episode 32 of What Are You Reading? A Next Book Podcast from Fairfield Public Library in Fairfield, Connecticut. Today is November 3rd, 2023. My guests and colleagues, Claudia Silk and Elaine Barry, will be discussing their favorite new books and what's on the horizon in publishing for the fall and even into the winter. So why don't we jump right in? Who'd like to start for us? I would. my, my name is Elaine Barry, and I'm an information services librarian at the Fairfield Public Library. I recently read two books that I like very much, The Spectacular by Fiona Davis and Everyone Here is Lying by Sherry Lapina. The Spectacular by Fiona Davis. I love this book because with all of Fiona Davis's novels, she mixes fact with fiction with New York City as a fabulous backdrop. And in The Spectacular, Davis takes us on an intriguing ride where corporate fraud, murder, and a bit of romance is set before the glamorous world of the Rockettes. The character development and their motivations are written so well that the character's emotions are palpable. Yes, this is a thriller, and it uses a dual timeline, moving from 1956 to 1992 and back. Davis gives us a behind-the-scenes look and what it takes to become a rockette. Marion, our protagonist, is just 19 years old, and she knows exactly what she wants to do with her life, to become a Radio City Music Hall rockette. It's 1956, and she's stuck in her career as a dance teacher. She learns about auditions for the rockettes. Marion is a risk-taker in more ways than one, and so against her father's wishes, she auditions for a coveted spot in the kick line. Marion's the right height, she learns fast, kicks high, and possesses the stamina required to perform four shows a day. While Marion learns the grueling dance routines, George Metesky, the Big Apple Bomber, is executing his vendetta against Met Power. From the early 1940s to 1956, Metesky placed bombs in public buildings throughout New York City, including Grand Central Station, the New York Public Library, and the subway. During a performance at the Radio City Music Hall, a bomb goes off in front of Marion. For many reasons, capturing Metesky becomes personal, setting Marion off to become a relentless sleuth. It was through criminal profiling that eventually leads to Metesky's arrest, and Davis takes us through the process, followed by the character, Dr. Peter Griggs, a criminologist and psychiatrist. Now, in 1956, criminal profiling was considered a radical notion, and this case is one of the earliest criminal profiling cases that was used by law enforcement. 
the real profiler was James Brussels, who was asked to help the police following 16 years of failed attempts to identify the bomber. Brussels used the characteristics of the crimes to predict the characteristics of Metesky, and this included the range in age, work history, personality, and even his appearance. These predictions led to Metesky's capture. Um, as I said, this is fact uh, and fiction mixed, and um, the real company was Consolidated Ed, and Metesky was an actual person, that's his last name, George Metesky, and I found it fascinating. Um, he was an engineer in the armed services, and then he uh, was hired by Consolidated Ed to work at, at a generating plant. And one day, the boiler backfired, produced a blast of gases, and damaged his lungs. What I found absolutely amazing is that for 16 years, Metesky terrorized New York City, and I'd, I'd never heard of it before. I've never heard of it either. Oh, that's what's so interesting is I've done this, the spectacular with two book clubs now, mm -hmm. and I would say if I've discussed it with 70 people, maybe a handful of people remembered about the Mad Bomber. Mm -hmm. huh. And we had a lot of discussion about that, too. Was, was it because he never actually killed anybody, is that it didn't become as infamous? But it just seems a period of history of 16 years that most of us didn't know about this mad bomber. And, I mean, he did bomb Grand Central, Radio City. Like, he, he actually did place bombs in all those places. Yeah, yeah. And I also found interesting, Fiona Davis, the reason she wrote this book is she got a letter from a former Rockette. Um, who was in her 80s, and she sent this letter to Fiona and said, oh. you should do something about the Rockettes, and mm. she's the one who told her about the schedule they kept and the oh. dormitory oh, wow. and the Roxy apartment. So, mm. And then she married the stagehand, and that's how Fiona was able to do, you know, I mean, the Rockettes, it's not as easy as it looks, like in the staging and the three different stages and the levels and all of that. So she got all that from the horse's mouth, and that's why she um, mm. started her journey on that book. Oh, that's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. That's great. That's yeah. great backstory. Yeah. My, um, my, my middle sister was a huge Rockettes fan when she was little, so as soon as this book got released, I like mail. She's in the middle of a huge move, and I mailed a copy of her and she, to, her, to her, and I said, I, mean, I know you're going to love this, and she, she absolutely did. And spoiler alert, they do not hold on to each other when they do the kick line. They don't touch each other. No. They look Isn't like their amazing? arms are all wrapped around each other, but they're not touching because if one goes down, then oh, we'll all yeah. go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So That's spoiler true. alert, sorry. Yes, <laughs> yes. No, absolutely fascinating. That's great. And I don't know, have you read other Fiona Davis's books? I have. Magnolia Palace, oh, which yes. is the um, Frick Museum. Yes. She really does find interesting tidbits of New York, the, the lines of Fifth Avenue about the New York Public Library. Absolutely, which was really amazing. I don't know if those hidden rooms are actually there. But they were. They were. They were yep. actually there. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Yeah. What a maze. It's really fun, mm -hmm. yeah. the facts that she finds. Yes. You want to do one more, Elaine? I will do one more. Okay. Um, everyone here is lying by Sherry Lapina. And I really enjoyed this book. Um, it is a thriller, and it keeps you guessing. The story is set in a nice neighborhood with nice houses owned by nice people. <laughs> Suddenly, the adults become unhinged when nine-year-old Avery Woolen disappears. The detectives keep it together, but panic among the neighbors gives way to suspicion and accusations mostly directed to the children. Hidden resentments begin to surface. Relationships, one held together by a thread, fall apart bit by bit. 
Lapina moves us from character to character seamlessly as fear, guilt, and loneliness drive each one to lie. Lapina's slow and easy character development held my attention, but the relentless lying by the adults countered the building tension. It drove me crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But Lapina is a master at suspense, and I think this is exactly what you wanted to do. So just as I was about to put down the book, Lapina dangles a nugget of truth, which keeps me on the relentless path of twists and turns until yet another nugget of truth is revealed, and this leads me to a surprising end. Lapina has crafted a clever story, creating a nine-year-old, air quotes, precocious child as the engine that drives the story. Avery's contrivances were meant to manipulate just one person, but instead a chaotic chain of events unleashes a flood of lies and despair. What might have started as a game turns deadly. And, oh, what a tangled web we weave would definitely be an apt title for this book. Mm. Mm. Wow. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to jump in and say I love reading or watching where you get so frustrated that you're ready to quit and then something really, this jewel comes in and just, or you're like, okay, I'm still here. And then it gets even better. So yes. I love that. Absolutely love that. amazing. I She's really enjoyed it. She's a good storyteller. I think I read Not a Happy Family by her. I have Did not you read, read anything else by her. Oh, okay. No, so now will first. you? Like yes, I will. Okay. <laughs> Unbelievable. I think she's a good storyteller and she does hook you. She, absolutely, I agree. Oh, that's great. Claudia, you have something for us? Well, you know me. I always have like 20, but I'm, <laughs> I'm a little more brief. So, But I think I've spoken about every single one of Richard Osman's Thursday Murder Calls oh, yeah. on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I adore that series. Yes. And the latest one, The Last Devil to Die, was the best by far. So is this number four? It's number four. Okay, so um, wow. another one of our um, staff members who I, I won't say, I, I just can't, I'm, it's not that I won't say, I can't, I'm blanking <laughs> on, but somebody said, because I said I've only read one, and they're like, just skip the four. <gasps> oh, did they really? No. Because each one builds those okay. characters. Okay. You okay. feel so invested. I mean, this one, they make me laugh out loud. And now there's such a shorthand because you've been with these characters for four books. Mm-hmm. But there's also some heartbreaking things. I mean, it really, mm-hmm. to call it just a mystery just, just doesn't give it justice. Richard Osman is a genius as far as I'm concerned. The only thing that made me sad is in the end notes he said... He's taking a break from this, and he's mm. by he's um, writing a new series, I think, with a father and daughter detective. Mm. Oh, okay. So yeah, that sounds um, fun. So that made me cry too that mm. I wasn't getting another Very one each sad. year because I <laughs> love this series. Um, then this was interesting. I went away with my college friends. There's about twenty of us, and we decided to do a book club, and the book we did was called The Well Lived Life: A Hundred and Two Year Old Doctor's Six Secrets to Health and Happiness at Every Age. Um, Her name is Gladys McCary, and she was fascinating just herself. Like, even if you didn't go for the advice, she was born in India to missionary doctor parents. She saw Gandhi march through the streets when she was a little girl, and she said she could still remember, like, the charisma, like the feeling that you got that somebody important just had, or monumental, had just walked by you. And then she has these six, and they're not secrets, and they're not, anything that we couldn't figure out ourselves but sometimes you just need to be reminded Absolutely. and it's really interesting to, for a 102 year old woman doctor who's a doctor way before 
women were, do- you know, mm-hmm. it was accepted. Clearly. And she, I mean, yeah. I mean, really, 80 years ago, she probably entered med right, school? Right, exactly. Wow. Yeah. So um, just, a, just a, her story is so interesting. But then it was a great reminder of things that we should be putting to the forefront instead of all the um, things that sometimes we get bogged down in. Mm-hmm. So just a really enjoyable read. That's great. Then I have, a, this is for our Peloton people. Do you know who <laughs> Cody Rigsby is? Anybody? No. Okay. No. So he's one of the instructors on Peloton. Okay. And he's hilarious. But you either love him or you don't love him. And he actually did Dancing with the Stars during COVID. Okay. So he's got some celebrity. Well, he wrote his um, memoir. It's called XOXO, Cody, an Opinionated Homosexual's Guide to Self-Love, Relationships, and Tactful Pettiness. <laughs> <laughs> and if you love Cody, just love the book. But you kind of have to know Cody. Cody's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> But I just had so much fun. Like when I'm taking one of his classes, and you know, sometimes it's not so fun to work out. Like he just makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. And he loves to diss and he loves to do all the stuff and talk celebrity and do this. So that's what he does in his memoir. And Sounds wonderful. Um, he glosses over it a little bit, but he had a really rough childhood and the fact that he got to where he is this day. And um, his mom was a bit of a wreck and he's very much devoted to her so you kind of fall in love with them a little bit too mm. while you're listening so that's great i think it's for a select audience but if you're that one of those people then you should definitely listen to that just so much fun so before we go to another round um i'll throw something in so last episode we um sue bala who's our circulation manager talked about the new Andy Mills book by Lev A.C. Rosen, um, he was he released the book called Lavender House last year, which a lot of people read. And I read and really, really liked. Um, I, love mi- I love murder mysteries. I love police procedurals or detectives. Um, and I also love um, a historical fiction aspect when the mystery happens. So these books all take place in San Francisco in the 1950s. Um, Andy Mills is... Uh, someone who went through World War II in the Navy and then became a cop um, and then got busted for being gay um, back in the 1950s. It was illegal and then got thrown off the force and then he sort of reluctantly becomes a private eye. So the first book was good, but the second book called The Bell and the Fog, which Sue talked about last month, is I, it's, I think it's my favorite mystery of the year. It was wow. so good. Now, that said, Sue reminded everyone last time, and I'll agree with this, the mystery is sort of secondary because what they're doing is the author's giving the entire backstory to Andy, like why we want to care about Andy, why we want to continue on with the series. And it was just amazing. Oh, that's great. And they also set up a second character who looks like they're going to be going into business with Andy. So it looks like book three has already been set up. So that's really great. Too. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. yeah. That so is exciting. yeah, it was a really good Very read. Nice. It's fun. It's fun, but it's also, um, there's something about that 1950s era, um, that I just am really attracted to, um, you know, the McCarthy era and, um, post-World War II where everything, everyone was really happy, but then there was, a, there were a lot of people that were, in some odd way, they weren't missing the war itself, but they were missing like who they were during the war, you know, specifically women, I think people of color, LGBTQ people, um, they all had to come back to these old lives after the mm-hmm. war, which wasn't. And they had seen the possibility they had of what seen it could the be, and then it got yeah. taken exactly. away. Of exactly. working together. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. So, now, I think you, did you say to me that you could read that standalone? You could totally read this standalone, yeah. Mm, and then if you love great. it, you could go back and read right. Lavender House. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he does refer to some of what happened in Lavender House, but there's, there's honestly not even any um, spoiler alerts in it. So you could, mm. yeah, I would, I would... I would recommend either, either starting with Lavender House um, or go. And if you have read Lavender House and liked it, absolutely push this up to the top of your mm-hmm. oh, your queue. It's really, really good. Well, that's actually that. That's so funny. So I was going to recommend The Golden Gate by Amy, and I'm I don't want to mispronounce her name. Chua. It's C H U A. Yeah. She was the Tiger Mom. She wrote the Tiger Mom book. Oh, yes. But this is a novel, and it takes place in 1940s San Francisco. And what I loved about it, it was kind of like a hard-boiled detective, a murder in a hotel, and that traces back to another murder that was 16 years earlier. But there was so much historical fiction in it, too, Mm -hmm. because it was the Japanese internment camps Mm -hmm. and Madame Shanghai Shek living in San Francisco for a little while, doing the work of, you know, Shanghai Shek, and that was when Mao. So she had so much of that in there with the mystery. And then at the end... Um, you know, you always read the end notes for historical fiction because sometimes the condenses, you know, don't take it as it's not, it is fiction, it is not nonfiction. Right. Mm-hmm. So she supplied some reasons why she changed some things, mm-hmm. but you totally got a feel for what it felt like to be a Japanese American right. during mm-hmm. that right. time. And mm-hmm. I learned things that I didn't know, and it sent me looking things up too, which is to me is the best kind of historical fiction when it makes you want to look and see look further and understand further what was presented to you in the book. And I I think that's a good point, too, about, like, I think that the interesting thing about reading either historical fiction or mystery with historical fiction now, writers that are writing now, is that they're digging into these issues um, as opposed to somebody that may have written during the 50s or shortly after the 50s may have glossed over that completely and just given a whole different... So I think that's one of the reasons why I'm kind of attracted to that sort of subgenre of mystery for me is because they're not saying the 50s was great. They're saying the 50s was really problematic for a lot of people. Right. And mm-hmm. here's so and here's some characters that you might relate to, which right. is really fun. Sorry and then when you throw yeah, in like these real characters, it's just, I don't know, yeah. it's just fun, yeah. really yeah. fun. That's the great, that's another great thing about historical fiction is always, and I think Elaine is going to be talking in a few minutes about another big, big historical fiction that's coming out in November and um, that's another wonderful thing about historical fiction is that this weaving of real people into into in with fictional characters is incredible. I agree. Yeah, I, I was agree. thinking about that that that's why historical fiction has taken off because I think a lot of people when we were in school we read the textbooks. Right. And history right. if you had a great memory worked well for you but if not then you know how do you connect the dots yep. and yep. Um, here I think people remember facts better through a story i agree yeah i agree and it's far less intimidating than reading a textbook of course of course yeah Yeah. and people of a certain age sitting around this table we never made it beyond world war ii (laughs) (laughs) right remember they never got there yeah right korean war vietnam war like we never got all the way vietnam war they really didn't want to talk about right 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 right. when we were in high school Yeah, yeah so true yeah um also i wanted to mention that um, I listened to one of the podcasts with you and Sue Ballard, and Sue had read a book, and I wish I could recall the title, but it was, she talked about, and she was surprised, as everyone was, that um, there was a president, and who was it, uh, in the 1930s who had, was very much 
had restrained immigration mm. and was very prejudiced. Um, against oh, was certain that in nationalities. the 20s and Wilson? I, I, it was Wilson, yes, absolutely. Yes, I do remember her being like... She was very, very emotional about it, and I thought that was wonderful. And one of the things that she said was, and this should teach us that this does not happen again. Yeah. And, of course, it does. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's remarkable. Now, I often wonder that if we had social media in the 40s, maybe what happened would not have happened to the Japanese, would not have happened to the Jews, that kind of thing. But then again, you look at what happened in the 50s yeah. and where people, victims, are actually coming forward. And in the 50s, you have the McCarthy era. Right, right? exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, how, how does one learn about these things? And I do know um, some people who lived during that time as adults and um, I said well why didn't you talk about it why didn't you speak out about what was going on and this one particular woman said we were petrified mm -hmm. we mm -hmm. could not talk against the United States government yeah right otherwise yeah. who knows right yeah. yeah so it is extraordinary yeah. yeah so speaking of that I'm going to give you one of the books that I'm so looking forward to I think it's in February it's Kristen Hanna mm. who wrote The Nightingale mm. she's writing The Women and it's about um I think nurses in Vietnam, or oh. it's definitely a Vietnam War era, oh, so don't good. quote me on the nurses, but okay. so I'm very, very excited to read that, and that's I think great. that's a February release, because I think that's a time period that um, I don't read enough about, mm -hmm. and I'm no, excited and to try. It's absolutely fascinating, because every time I read a book regarding that, I am absolutely surprised Right. You know at what they do when there's a blackout, how do they seek cover, mm -hmm. how it just, it just, threads through your life it gets to a point where this is just expected and we live with it and yeah. we go yeah. on yeah yeah and i think too it's important not not so much for fiction but for non-fiction it's, it's important to start to get these voices down because this that generation is the vietnam generation is in their 70s and 80s exactly. now so yeah it's time to like record and record and record it's like the holocaust victims it's just the last of them are getting have been but people have done a really good job of, of doing documentaries and recording things. So it's the same thing with the Vietnam generation. You have and to get... Right. Spielberg, yeah. remember with the World War II? Right. Remember those soldiers didn't want to talk about it. And then when they were starting to reach the end of their life, they yeah. were like, wait a minute. Yeah. Our story will never be told if we take it to right. the grave. Right. Mm -hmm. Very yeah. interesting stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um, there is a wonderful book that I'd like to recommend that um, is published this month. And the library does have it. Uh, you can put it on hold. It's, on, it's in the process of being um, ordered. Uh, the name of the book oh boy, is called The General and Julia. And it is written by a, uh, an author who does write general fiction. And he is noted. His name is John Clinch. He wrote The Thief of Auschwitz and Marley and Finn. And um, The Thief of Auschwitz is uh, very well known and has quite a following. Uh, but this particular book is on Ulysses S. Grant, and I found this absolutely fascinating because I studied Grant when I was in high school, and um, I, reading the reviews of this book, I already had learned things that I had not known. And apparently, um, Grant was poor most of his life, and during his presidency, he had to give up his... Uh, pension that he had earned permanently uh, while he was in the armed services. So once his, even though he was encouraged to run for a third term, he chose not to. 
and again he returned to poverty. Now his children were pretty much grown at the time that he writes this memoir, but uh, the story of his, Ulysses S. Grant writing his memoir. But um, he did have four children, and he was very worried about their welfare as well as his wife, Julia. And uh, so what happens is that Grant is diagnosed with can throat cancer, and he uh, decides that he has to create some sort of revenue stream for his family. Otherwise, they would be, he would leave them impoverished. So he asks a friend to help him write this memoir. And what we learn is that um, towards the end of, this of the writing of the book, he can't even speak. But we learn about Grant, who makes a 180-degree turnaround um, in his middle age. And uh, he f fights for civil rights and um, against a rising Ku Klux Klan. He was for Reconstruction. Um, and so it's just very, very interesting how we're moved through uh, the battles of the Civil War to the age, to the Gilded Age. And the novel also enlightens you to um, grant was somewhat of a, a very modern thinker. Um, one thing that I absolutely found wonderful is that apparently he was friendly with Mark Twain. And when he had signed the book deal for uh, his memoir, um, he was only going to get 10% of the um, royalties. Of the royalties, and as it turns out, Twain said, "No, no, 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 no. We're not going to do this." So Twain um, decided to take it upon himself, and in the end, Ulysses S. Grant's contract said that he would be getting 70% of the royalties, which in today's market, uh, his uh, wife Julia and family. Um, received $14 million. Wow. Yeah, which yeah. was really remarkable. 70% yeah. was remarkable. Authors are going to be falling off their chairs <laughs> listening to that. And, and, and it's incredible. Go to Mark Twain. Like, uh, we talked before we started the recording, and I have also read this already, and, um, and it's incredible that the things you're bringing up are things, like I'm thinking of things I remember, but the book is so rich with detail that, and there's so many aspects to Grant's life that, it's it's just it's just it, it's reminding me of how of the depth of the book. It's just such a great um, it's just a great read, I think. And it, thank goodness for for such books because I don't think that we have time when we're learning this, unless we're in college and it's our major, to read supplemental material. Yeah. Right. And it's wonderful that given our formats, we can listen audio. We can, I mean. It, it's remarkable. Yeah. We can read, read it on e our phone. Yeah, yeah. read it it's on true. our phone, and it yeah. just makes this information so much more accessible, which really broadens our knowledge. And you can, every time something happens in a historical fiction book, you can immediately just, of course, go to Wikipedia and compare and make see if it's true or not. A thousand and percent. so much of Clinch's book is based on fact. It's phenomenal. Like, even the most outrageous things that Grant ends up doing, you're like, okay, this happened. That's fascinating it you brings know. him alive yeah it really does yeah it really does yeah which is wonderful yeah, i absolutely loved it and yeah. i'd be remiss if i didn't say that sue bala has it a john clinch it's one of her favorite authors for, yeah. yeah forever yeah yeah and i can see wonderful. i mean his, that's the this is the first clinch book i've read but i totally get it now because he just um he, it grabbed me um it not only gra i have to say it not only grabbed me but more than that it was the lingering 
it was the book lingered in my mind afterwards, and then it started me having conversations with people. So that, oh, that's I the think best kind. That is the real beauty of that of that book. I think is not so much like what you get while you're reading it, but it's like afterwards. It's like oh, you know, three days later, you're thinking about. Um, you know his financial crash and how mm. horrible it was. Or, yes, and and also the 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 detail, like his descriptions are so intense. Like the the descriptions, you know, you talk about the throat cancer. The de- descriptions of him smoking cigars is <laughs> like <laughs> unbelievable. Like you feel like you're there in the room breathing <laughs> the smoke because oh, wow. just, it's just cigar after cigar after cigar. It's it's just I had no idea people smoked cigar. I knew people smoked cigarettes like that, but I had no idea people smoked cigars. I didn't like either. That. I always thought it was like a treat, you know. Right. Yeah. Like After dinner, the yeah. men in the Gilded Age retire to exactly. The <laughs> yeah. Yes. The ladies will play cards, exactly. and the gentlemen and will, will have their scotch and their cigars exactly. or whiskey or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So great choice. Really oh, good. good. I'm yeah. glad. I I look forward to reading this book. Yeah. That's great. Well, if we're going to be talking about looking forward, so I don't know about everybody else, but I feel like between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I have to have light reads because mm-hmm. you're so distracted by everything yeah. that's going on. So I have one that's coming out on December 5th. It's called The Second Chance Year, and it's by Melissa Wisner. And it's this character, Sadie. She's had a really bad year, and she on New Year's Eve, she goes to this party, and there is some kind of fortune teller in a tent. So she's like, what the heck? The year's been so bad, I'm just going to go in. And the fortune teller gives her the ability to to live the year again. Oh. And does oh. she, by making different decisions, does it change the trajectory? Does mm. she, um, so it's just a lot of fun, but just something to think about too. Like if you could change a bad year, would you? And would it make it better or would it not make it better? Or did you learn so much from your bad year? So even though it's light, it does make you think about the choices you make and the way it goes and is it supposed to be that way, even if it wasn't a great year. Mm-hmm. So just a lot of fun. So again, second chance year, December 5th, it comes out. And then in January, when you're sad anyway. <laughs> <laughs> At least up north. Exactly. That's true. <laughs> um, I don't know, but the book Me Before, is it Me Before You? Jojo Moyes. Remember yeah. that oh, book, that yes. phenomenon? yes. So you know you're going to be sad reading it, but, you, but it was, you know, it was an epic phenomenon. People love that book. Mm-hmm. I feel like this book is going to be that way. It's called The Last Love Note by Emma Gray, and it's about a young couple married, you know, having the time of their life. They have a toddler. They're pregnant with their second, and they get into a car accident, and it turns out the husband is, has early onset Alzheimer's. Oh boy! And mm-hmm. she also loses the pregnancy. This mm. is not spoiler. Like this is this is a setup to the yeah, story. Right. But then it's a story where she's looking back on her romance with her husband and how they fell in love, and it's also about her grief and her life going forward. And maybe this guy Hugh, who is a good friend to both of them, who all of a sudden she notices is always there when she needs them. Mm. So it's it's got a little bit of romance. It has the grief, but it has just as a very much a page-turning, compelling type of story. That um, so, if if you were a me before you mm-hmm. lover, then pick up the last love note by Emma Gray, and that's January twenty-fourth. That's great. You know, we talk a lot, and I love the fact that we talk a lot about books that are up and coming and coming out and almost coming out. I am finding it like interesting how 
far ahead these announcements are being made. It's unbelievable. So yesterday, I just realized somehow, well, it's because I, I'm, on, I'm on Amazon off and on throughout the evening, but I um, noticed that the new T.J. Klune book is has been not only announced, but it's up for pre-order on Amazon. It's coming out, I, I'm not going to say the date, because just in case you're listening to this in the future, 10 months. Right. It's not coming out for 10 months. It's unbelievable. But this is what they're doing. Yeah. You know, you're seeing things for, for you know, six months, for seven months. This is the furthest out I've seen anything. Yeah. So I guess they're assuming that social media, the buzz will happen, and then it'll calm down, and then it'll happen again. So I guess you're going to create these these multiple buzz. But where periods. does it end? <laughs> yeah, I know. I just it's. And then me, do you do that so far in advance that by the time it comes, is there a fatigue? I wonder. You that's know what, what I'm well, wondering. Well, that's what about I'm it. wondering. Yeah, that's what I I'm don't wondering. think for the T.J. Clune because I think no. the world can't wait. It's right. a sequel to right. the house. It's a sequel. And everybody yeah. wants to know. And yeah, the exactly. cover with that character. Right, you can see the cover on Amazon. It's gorgeous. Oh wow! Really, so that's wonderful. I think this whole staff is going to be very excited to hear that book. <laughs> yeah. It's but it does, it does, it is amazing that they're announcing these so far ahead of time. Yeah. It's just, and it has to be purposeful. You know, there has to be a group of people at every publishing company going, this is what we're going to do now. Yeah, we need yeah. to build. Yeah. We need to distinguish yeah. it from the field. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. You know, unless people are saying, you know, first of all, social media, they start reading it. And they say, oh, yeah, okay, well, it's not going to be released for, let's say, another five months. Okay. Then all of a sudden... There's another push right. in marketing. They right. say, mm -hmm. now that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody must have told me about right. it, which reinforces. Yeah. It's true. It's like a creating yeah. a false memory. Yeah, it's true. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Well, anyway. Yeah. So be Elaine, interesting to have a marketer come and speak. Oh, and say, this is God. how we oh, handle yeah. the yeah. business a now. publishing marketer. That would be really interesting. <laughs> Elaine, do you have anything else for us? Uh, no, that's it right okay. now. All right. Claudia? Yeah, I think I'm good. Okay. So thank you, Claudia and Elaine, so much. And thank you, listeners, for joining us on another episode of Fairfield What Are You Reading podcast, brought to you by Fairfield Public Library in Fairfield, Connecticut. Check our show notes for book titles and authors mentioned today. And please join us next month for our year-end celebration. All of your favorite library podcasters join together to share their favorite reads of the year. It's actually your favorite episode, and we know that because the stats each year follow that. So we know that with the most watched episodes are year-end episodes. So look forward to this next month. We will see you next month. And in the meantime, happy reading. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.